0: Welcome to the Radiant Church Podcast. I'm glad you're here. Grab a Bible or open up your favorite Bible app as we get into God's Word together. And so we're excited about that, but I'm excited to be here just to encourage you as you are preparing uh, to do a major shift that I believe that will not only Uh, transform your life, but uh, have a lot to do with how this community is transformed. And so I'm grateful uh, for the wisdom of Philip, uh, the courage of Philip. Uh, I've always told this young man I wish I had half of his brain. He's he's bright, energetic, uh, just moving into ministry. I'm moving out, so I'm glad that God is raising up some young people. I've been pastoring now for almost 20 years, and so Twenty years of dealing with people like you it's been amazing <laughs> it's been amazing so we're we're excited uh, about what is coming forth and we just want to come and encourage you come, and just be a part of the history of this amazing ministry I don't want to be before you very long if you would grab your Bibles and stand with me. I'll be in the fourth chapter of john John chapter four. I'm going to do something I usually don't do. I'm going to read uh, several verses. I usually only read a few verses, but I've learned to uh, not to assume that everybody knows the story uh, of the Bible like I do. I know that there are people on different ends of the spectrum. There are some, you've been in church all your life, and there may be some, this is your first time in church. And so I want to read enough that we can get a, a good understanding of what's going on in um, this text this morning. So John chapter four, and I'm going to begin reading at verse number seven, verse number seven, and I'll read down to verse 24, uh, the gospel according to John chapter four. Uh, the Bible speaks, we listen. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, Give me a drink. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I give will be like a spring up to everlasting life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I might not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one who you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You may be seated in the Lord's house. Just for a little while, I want you to wrestle with me from the subject, the truth about worship. The truth about worship. The prophet Isaiah, throughout his book, he talks about Israel and God's people that God created them that they might show forth his praise. And then that hundred and fifty psalm, that praise song says, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. So the thing about worship is that we are all created to worship. We're going to worship something. So the question is not if you're going to worship, the question is who you're going to worship. For all of us, just made that we have learned how to worship. And some people say, well, I'm not a believer. I, I don't worship. Well, worship is just uh, expressing and responding to the worthiness of a deity or even an individual. I remember when Michael Jackson was still living and when he would come to concert and they would pan the audience People would be crying and falling out, and Michael ain't did nothing, but hee They didn't realize that they were responding to him, and they felt that he had a worthiness because they loved his songs, and Michael wasn't going to do anything for them. Many of them would never touch his hand. He would never speak to any of them. As I watch, and I'm not a, a sports fanatic, but I as I watched the ball games, how people would actually paint their entire bodies for their teams and how they would cry, Philip, when they lose. Grown men sitting out there just weeping because somebody dropped a football. They realized that they were worshiping. So we, we're going to worship. So we just need to figure out how to redirect our worship to God. And for those of us who understand what worship is, maybe we need to deepen our worship. Maybe we need to understand that maybe our worship needs to go to another level. Maybe there needs to be a shift in our worship. Because what I found out about us, that we can take a good thing and we can make it a religious thing. Mm -hmm. I I told my men, we have Men's Monday. Every Monday night we come together. We talk about being kingdom men, and it's a powerful thing. But there are some men who have been a part of that for the last seven years. And see, the thing is, when they came seven years ago, it had an impact on their lives. But the more they came, the comfortable they got. And it no longer had the power that it once did. And I think even church can become that where it becomes routine that I know that this is what I should do because I am a believer I am a Christian so Christian people go to church and so you go out of routine even when we partake of the Lord's Supper Uh, many churches they do it every first Sunday dress up in white and put on the white gloves I don't know what the white gloves are for (laughs) maybe maybe it's back to Michael Jackson I don't know (laughs) (laughs) But to get to the place where they're no longer, as the Bible says, examine yourself. It's now just what we do on first Sunday. And so it's routine. And so maybe there needs to be a shift in worship because maybe, maybe we don't know the truth about worship. That's where you are in our text this morning. The Samaritan woman, she, she comes to the well in the middle of the day, that's significant. Put a pen on that, we'll come back to that. But this day, she comes and she's not by herself. She comes and there's a Jewish man sitting there in the well. And when she approaches him, he speaks to her Give me a drink. And immediately, she reminds him Hold up, you Jews don't deal with us Samaritans. We, we, don't, we don't talk like that. <laughs> In other words, let me bring it to us. You don't know me like that. You asking me for stuff. And she realized now that this is a different kind of encounter she's having. Jesus began to dialogue with her. And I would imagine she says, I'm trying to get my water. And there's a reason why I have come this time of the day. Well, scholars and historians say the reason why she came in the heat of the day, afternoon, is because she wanted to avoid the people of the town. She wanted to avoid the women. Usually the women came early in the morning or late in the evening to draw water for the day. Maybe she had gotten to the place that she was tired of the snickering and the pointing And the laughing because the well was a place where they congregated, kind of like where uh, we congregate now. It was a place where they come at a certain time of the day and all the women of the town and they will talk about uh, the latest gossip. And she was probably the main character of their gossip. And she didn't want to deal with them, so she decided that she would go to the well at a different time when nobody's there. I wonder, I wonder with so many churches in South Carolina, why is our communities not changing? Why are why churches not slam packed? It's because maybe they have come to our well. And instead of hearing the gospel, they heard gossip. Maybe when they came in, people reminded them of their flaws and their failures. She got tired of coming to the well because the women probably would say, that was that loose woman. You better get your husband. She done had five, and the one she have now is not even hers. You better be careful of her. Can I tell you, church hurt is some of the worst hurt. Because you come to church, you come to a place and you believe that this is a place where good people and God people are and they're going to treat me differently. They're going to love me. They're going to support me. But you come and then you're treated like trash. And you walk in the door when somebody look you up and down as if what are you doing here? So she decided that she would go to the well at a different time. Maybe, Philip. I don't know, Maybe, maybe coming up with a new model would give some people out there in the community who don't want to come during the church hour, you know, the church hour. Uh, Sunday morning between the hours of 10 and one that's that's the church hour that's when most traditional church folk come to church and we come we hear a song we uh read a scripture we give a little money and we go home and many of us our lives are not changed one bit so she decided I'm not going there but she comes today and Jesus is sitting there and he says give me water uh and she says, Why are you talking to me? He says, well, If you knew who was talking to you, you would have asked me for water. You would have asked me. She says, Sir, the well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. Jesus says, This water that I'm talking about, listen, you ever get this water, you'll never have to thirst again. For this water would be like springs bubbling up to eternal life. She says to him, Give me this water. I want you to catch something. You probably read it too fast. She was good with not thirsting. But listen what she says. So I no longer have to come here to draw water. If you got an answer to me having water and not having to deal with those people of my town, give it to me. Because I don't want to come here no more. I have to come here because this is the only source of water. I can't come in the early day. I can't come in the late evening because they're here. And when I come, it's so hot. And if you got something to fix that, I'll take it. Give it to me. And then Jesus says, well, go get your husband. And I would imagine in that moment, she's saying, here I go again. This is what I've been trying to avoid. This is why I don't go to church. This is why I don't deal with these church folk. They're hypocrites. The only thing they want to tell me is what I've done wrong. Bring me your husband. I don't have no husband. I think she might have had a little spice on that one that time. <laughs> I, I, I think she might have had a little juice on that one. I don't, I don't have no husband. She says, you, you're right. You've had five. Five. And the one you're with now, is not your husband. Here's what she does. She shifts the conversation. She shifts the conversation because she, she doesn't want to have this conversation. But she's talking to Jesus. She's talking to the word. She's talking to truth. And regardless of how she wanted to shift the conversation, he was going to bring it back to a gospel conversation. He's gifted at that. And we have to learn if we're going to reach people, you got to learn how to have gospel conversations in difficult conversation. You got to be able to shift that conversation back to the Lord Jesus. And she says, uh, you Jews says Jerusalem is the best place to worship. We believe that here is the best place to worship on this mountain. Here she is, want to have this theological debate about worship with Jesus. So he he says, "Okay." he says, listen, woman, the time is coming. And now is when worshiping here on this mountain or in Jerusalem, not going to matter. Jesus says there is a shift coming in worship. There's there's a change coming and worship, and I believe most individuals we don't like change. We we like things the way they are. We, we we like we like to know how things are. You you sit in the same place when you go home. Your little bottom print is on your chair. That that's your signature cheek one cheek two. <laughs> because we like to know how things are. We like things comfortable. And when people are talking about changing something, we get scared. Because even if what we're doing is not working, we know the devil we have. That's why people stay in broken relationships so long. You you know what you got, but you're afraid to find out what's beyond. He said there's a shift coming. When Philip called me a month or so ago and says, Radiant church is trying to rethink, reimagine what they're doing. I said, Man, go for it. Because what we're doing is not working. We're not producing disciples having church every Sunday. We're producing church folk. And churches are packed across this country. And pastors love that. Let me say this we, our ego is fed by how many people are in the pews. And how many dollars are in the bucket? Hey, hey, Doc, how many you had this Sunday? Yeah, What was the offering? And it is difficult sometimes when God is telling you to shift and every one of your cohorts are saying you're crazy. Seven years ago, when I decided to walk away from a major ministry in Sponberg, at that time one of the largest African American ministry in Spartanburg, I decided to walk away my wife and I and launch this church. Pastors thought I had went crazy. <laughs> they canceled my preaching appointments. How do know are you going to leave this big building this big ministry and go listen man I don't get fed by numbers in the seat. I'm not moved by that. I'm not moved by money. I'm one. I want want some gospel dirt up under my nails. I want to see lives change. I want to see families change. I want to see marriage reconcile. And I realize that sometimes you have to break away and do something different. Because sometimes when you do things for God, people will call you foolish. People go, think about this. Why do you think Jesus had such a hard time? He came on the scene doing Judaism. He came when you came to church you had to bring a lamb or some turtle doves to sacrifice. (laughs) And y'all worried about this change? (laughs) At least you didn't have a goat tied up behind your car as you came here. (laughs) Jesus says listen That's going to be done away with. I'm going to make the ultimate sacrifice so you don't have to bring turtle doves or lambs anymore. There's going to be a shift and you're not going to have to worry about being in the temple because you will be the temple. Somebody should have threw a $100 bill and hit me right in the center of my head. He said, the time is coming The time is coming and now is where where you worship is not going to be so important. As a matter of fact, even how you worship won't be that important. But what will be important is who you worship. He said to her, he says, you Samaritans, you don't even know who you worship. You, 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 you worship, but you don't really know God. He says, we Jews, we know God because salvation came from the Jews. We know God and you worship what you don't know. You, you, you're going through the motions because traditionally that's what you have always done. And so you just picked up from where your mama and your dad and your uncle left off. You, you don't even know why you're you standing doing service. You don't even know why you're you, you clapping. It's not so much your style. And we have reduced worship to two fast songs and one slow song. And, and we walk away and we said, man, worship was off the chain today. What, what, what was so good about worship today? Well, they sung good. Is that all worship is? Worship is not just a style. It's not not a particular genre of music. It's not even what we wear. It's not what time we come. Worship, it is so much more. I believe worship is when the created thing does what the creator made it to do. That if our time together in corporate worship does not produce something in your life outside of these walls, you don't know and you're wasting your time. Because God is not concerned about your style of worship. He wants to make sure that you have a lifestyle of worship. So worship is not just about your inspiration. Making you feel good and the song was wonderful, but it should be about your transformation. That it should move me to become more and more like him, but that can only happen through the application of the word. If you don't take the word of God and begin to live it and apply it to your life, you were just happy. And that's why Jesus says we're going to have to learn how to worship God in spirit and in truth. So it's not enough that we clap and we dance and hey, you got to have spirit. I don't, nobody wants no dull worship experience. I don't want to preach to folk. Y'all just kind of looking at me like some of you are looking at me, but I, I, I work. <laughs> worship should have some spirit and it, it, you, you should feel something. I don't want to serve a God that I can't feel every now and then. I need to be able to sense God is near and when I get around other believers and when we begin to lift our hands and praise this God, there should be something that goes on on the inside of you. You ought to get a tinkle every now and then because worship should have some spirit in it. What if I got up and what if Philip and the other pastors got up every Sunday morning and they kind of talk to you, good morning, turn, turn, to your bibles and the whole sermon is kind of like this they could be speaking truth but because there's no spirit attached to it it's it's harder to receive that's that's why we have music music is that thing that kind of break down some barriers, and, and music kind of gets you in the mood. That's why usually everything you do in your life, family reunions, weddings, birthday parties, whatever, even if you're just having a friend over for a glass of Dr. Pepper, you have music, <laughs> you have music, because music kind of settles you and prepares you to receive, hopefully, some truth. So worship without truth is just getting excited, but it doesn't change anything. Jesus says you got to have some spirit and you got to have truth. They got to marry one another. You got to know why you're shouting. You got to know what you are excited about. You got to know why you're running around the church. And there are a lot of people, as we look on television and on the Internet, we see all of these worship services around the world and we see man they have uh, the most expensive lighting and the best musicians and the best soloists and all of that is wonderful to produce some energy but if that energy is not reinforced with truth there will be no transformation of lives and it would be no more than coming to a concert feeling good but never doing good. Jesus says the time is coming. And now is when the true worshipers of God will worship him in spirit and in truth. And here it is. He says, and God is seeking those to worship him. He's looking for real worshipers. He's looking for somebody that realized that maybe culturally, how I worship God may not be quite right. He's looking for those who, who are kind of subdued in their worship to realize you need a little spirit. He's looking for those who are so stern with their truth that they're legalistic to relax a little bit and lift your hands and don't be out there trying to cross all the T's and dot all the I's and find out where Philip messed up in this. Sit down, shut up, listen, throw your hands up and shout sometime. I'm going back to Spartanburg. (laughs) She says, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She realized now that this is not just a regular encounter. She realized now that this this man that she's talking to is unlike any of the other men that's been in her life. Maybe the men in her life have always wanted something from her. But now she stands before a man who wants to give her everything. Who wants to change her life on earth and change her life eternally. She realized now that this is a God encounter. And then the disciples show up. You you, you ever been in the middle of a good movie? And your spouse walk in and want to talk? Even though because of technology we can pause. But it's hard to recreate that moment. (laughs) She's in this moment now. She realized that this is God. She says, sir, I know that the Messiah, the Christ is coming and Jesus says, I am him. And at this moment, she's like, whoa. And then the disciples show up with food those who have been walking with him his whole earthly journey almost three years they've been with him they go to the town to get food they come back they're not sensitive to the moment they tripping now why is he talking to that samaritan woman what she want from here why are they at our church why are we doing this Because some people, when they don't understand it, they try to kill it. Instead of trying to understand that maybe if Jesus is doing this, he has purpose in it. He says nothing to them. And the woman drops her water pots. She goes back to the town to the people that she's been avoiding And she began to preach the gospel message to them. Come see a man who's told me everything about myself. Just a brief encounter with Jesus. Just one moment in a real worship atmosphere. This woman who she was trying to avoid all the other women now are going back to the town, the same town, catch me, that the disciples just came from. They went to the town, nobody followed them back. She went to the town after a true worship experience, after there's been a shift in her worship, after she gets truth about worship, and she says, you got to come and see this man. Now here's the thing, I said to myself, There must have been something about her that the town responded to her. There must have been a transformation in her voice, in her tone, in how she was saying it, that they said, we must see him for ourselves. And when you get the truth about worship, you will stop coming to church by yourself. When you really begin to experience God in a way like you never experienced him. And when he begins to do a work and that water that he talks about begins to bubble up in you. And you got to understand it bubbles up not for you. It bubbles up that you can use it to give it to someone else. It's not for us to keep. He allows it to bubble up that you can sprinkle somebody else. If I was at my church, Philip, I would say at that time, you ought to make it rain. I'm not at my church, so ought <laughs> honor, strike that from the minutes. She goes and she says, come see a man. They come and the whole town comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because of one true worship encounter of one woman. A whole town gets to meet Jesus. A town of people that don't deal with Jews. They come to this Jew and he shares with them. And they are able now to receive because this one woman had an encounter. That she fully understood now what worship was what God expected. And because of what it did for her, she went back to tell the town and the entire town comes back. I believe, Radiant Church, you're you're on the precipice of something. I believe not only will your lives be changed, but I believe it's going to set a fire under you when you fully understand what being a disciple of Christ really is, understand your purpose, you realize that God didn't save us so we can go to church. God saved us so we can go to war. That we can take down the enemy's camp and that we could say no longer would the enemy have to say in our communities. But we'll be able to make a difference in our schools, in our homes, in our communities. And the way I'm done, the way you change a community is not putting new bricks and new paint and new streets. No, you change a community by hearts. You want to stop crime? Get the one that climbs through your window to come through your doors. Speak to the drug addicted person on your corner. See them. See them as people. Love them. Love them because they are made in the image of God. Don't love them to get them in your church. They see through that. Get to the place where your worship of God is not where you are, but who you are. And you'll realize that even in my kitchen, while I'm washing dishes, I can worship him. So I'm riding down my car, he's with me because now he lives in me and I can worship him. I can worship him. I can worship him on my job. They, they may be able to tell me I can't pick my Bible up and read, but his word has I, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against him. I can worship wherever I am because all I have to do is just express my love and my worthiness of him. God, I thank you. And the beauty of it, it does not matter now. I used to worry. I used to worry if you walk and you lift your hands and you're talking, folk gonna call you crazy. But now, because everybody has these little things in the ear, you don't know who's crazy or not. So, <laughs> just worship Him. Because the truth, there is somebody in this world they would never come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't get where you need to be, we all have an assignment to tell the good news and tell somebody about the man you met that changed your life. We're in a discipleship training in our Tuesday night teaching. And one of the things I told them you don't have to be a seminarian, you don't have to be a biblical scholar. To disciple somebody. You just simply give. What has been given to you. You say I don't have but a little bit. Give what has been given to you. That's always required. And when you get more. Give more. Share with somebody. What God has done for you. And I promise you. It will be the beginning of of the transformation of this church and the transformation of your home and ultimately a transformation of this community. And that's the truth about worship. Believe it or not, it works for me. I believe it will work for you. Thank you for joining our family in North Charleston as we heard God's word preached today. We would love to connect with you. You can find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram Send us a message to learn more about what Radiant Church is doing or support the vision of Radiant Church at radiantcharleston.com giving.